Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you, as always, for all your comments, your likes, your subscribes. You can subscribe to Vice and Easy wherever you get any of your podcasts, including YouTube, so you never miss an episode. Now, just a trigger warning. This week's episode is not a happy topic. I am going to give you a trigger warning for infant death, kidnapping, and other really sad topics. I guess was a little bit ignorant when I came in watching the cold open and I was writing a lot of notes and then unfortunately looking back at the end of the episode, they don't really make any sense. So let's get into it. We are going to be breaking down Miami Vice season three, episode nine this week, entitled Baby Blues. The IMDb synopsis is as follows. The team learns of a baby selling ring when one of the children's mother comes that grammar doesn't seem right. The team learns of a babyselling ring when one of the children's mother comes up to Miami looking for her child. The trail leads them to a sleazy lawyer. When the lawyer manages to tie up any loose ends, they decide to use the mother to trap them. So as I mentioned the cold open, we are in Columbia. We're in a very small town, very rural village. We do see some livestock on the bus. And then we see a fancy car. I was trying to get a make on this car. I want to say it's possibly like an old Rolls Royce. Pull in down the dirt road. They stop the bus when a bunch of armed guys go on to the bus. And at first I wasn't really, that's where my notes were like, are these Farks? What's going on? Then you see them take babies. You see them ripping babies out of the mother's arms. And we see one mother who, in Michael Mann casting, we've already seen her as Florence in Florence, Italy, real name Marilyn Romero. We see her sneak out the back of the bus. She almost gets away when one of the other guys points her out. And unfortunately, a guy comes, shoves her, takes the baby. And as she tries to take her baby back from this guy, he backhands her and knocks her out. Then... We get a really unsettling conversation about what's going on in this next clip. Hey, this one's good. Hmm. Oh, hello, sweetheart. Hello. You want to be a rich kid? Get a Porsche for your 16th birthday? (laughs) This one's good, too. Yeah. Oh, you have a very stupid mommy. You're not going to Miami. Way too homely. <laughs> Give this one back to its mother. Now, I don't think I screenshotted this homely baby, supposedly homely baby. But the baby was not that ugly. I've seen far worse. <laughs> Sorry, not to make light of this whole topic, but yes, there are much uglier babies that you'll see posted all over Instagram and Facebook, and you kind of have to awkwardly be like, oh, congratulations. However, How does Vice come into play with this? What does Vice have anything to do with this? So we are back in kind of the Everglades. It's not really the Everglades, but it's supposed to look like the Everglades. Actually, the airstrip at Opaloka. I am not pronouncing that correctly. I do apologize. They are waiting for a shipment to come in. Now, they have no idea what's in it. But obviously, why would you ship something to the Everglades and have that be the drop-off spot for something legit? Right, Crockett? Eggs. We got nothing better to do. All contrary. Anyway, we're not even sure what these guys are hauling. Well, if they're landing out here, you can bet it ain't Sunday school books, you. 
And as they've been waiting for so long, this small plane finally arrives. We see the back door open. We see somebody walk out, naturally armed. When Vice calls out, shouts out who they are, naturally a shootout occurs. But while this is going on, a hatch in the front of the plane pops open as a woman her live body, she's still alive, pops out. And you could tell that she's not doing well. She ends up, they end up bringing her onto the tarmac, checking her pulse. They can see that she's not doing well. But back to the matter at hand. Once the shootout's kind of finished, Crockett and Tubbs are really confused. Because they're hearing babies crying. They don't know where it's coming from. Why would it be in the plane? And unfortunately, Trudy goes up to check sees that there are crates and boxes full of babies. She opens one and lets the rest of the vice squad know that that baby didn't make it. And that is how we end the cold open. Yeah. So I'm just going to say trigger warning for this entire episode because it is just really sad. And now that we're back at the pastel hospital soundstage that I love to reference, we see the one from the plane healing up in the hospital. She is talking to Gina in Spanish about what's going on, that she doesn't feel well, that she's still feeling a little bit delirious. Gina and Trudy are basically letting Croc and Tubbs know that she has come to Miami in search of her son, that her son has been here for 16 months and that she was finally able unfortunately, to do what she had to do to get to Miami to try to find him. She's still not able to give a lot of details. And INS, which is the old version of ICE, is kind of on her case, wants to get her out of the country. But Vice really wants to work with her, help her find her son, help her find out what's going on with this horrific baby smuggling ring of babies in boxes just being delivered on cargo trucks. And Gina, Trudy, and the doctor are kind of able to translate back and forth, back and forth, basically asking her for any identifying marks on the body, anything that they would be able to pinpoint to go through old adoption files, go through old medical records. She does mention he has kind of like a red raised birthmark, quite big on his left shoulder, that would identify him. And the doctor does agree that this kind of information would be found in a medical history. So fingers crossed, at least we got a little bit of leeway in this. So, and if he was taken about 16 months ago, he's around two years old approximately. And those kind of birthmarks usually disappear by the age of five. So they still have time to find him. Once they're back at the precinct, Castillo tells Crockett and Tubbs that it's might be unlikely for Maria to be reunited with her son. But maybe it'll be revealed in the investigation where the son ended up. Just unfortunately there with this kind of operation, especially the lack of legality around it and probably the fudging of paperwork, fudging of numbers, it seems like a pretty steep hill to climb, unfortunately. Well, and speaking of the investigation, Crockett and Tubbs are going to the Colombian consulate to try to get a little bit more information and see if they have any documentation regarding these adoptions. No surprise, the consul doesn't want to play with Vice in this next clip. Does your office get involved in the placement of these children? Oh, yes. We've helped place 
20 or 25 infants. We work with our hand in the glove of the social services department and various private adoption groups. Uh, would it be possible to get a list of some of those groups? Certainly. Actually, it'd be more helpful if we could take a look at your records. As much as I would like to help, I am, how would you say, a middle manager who cannot overrule certain diplomatic protocols that must be followed. I'm afraid the consul would never allow that. Three babies died in that plane. Detective, an emotional issue for all, I'm sure. But as I've said, I need approval from my government. Ah, uh, yeah. So as we saw, these women that we saw in the cold open had no choice. They were not being compensated. They were having their babies taken away from them by force. Armed force. So... This story that they're spinning is very suspicious. And 25 babies seems pretty low since we just kind of watched them in one go get a few babies. And unfortunately, if three babies had died on this plane, we saw boxes and boxes and boxes. So there are more components and layers to this than first meets the eye. And at the other agency, the actual adoption agency that the consul mentioned, Zeno and Switek are talking to a woman who's working there. She looks beautiful in this nice turtleneck, but open back dress with a yellow belt. And the woman that she works for, I guess, was in charge of this whole kind of operation or this whole business. She's out of the office at the moment. So Zeno and Switek are asking for three years worth of medical files. Again, they want to, if the baby's been gone for 16 months, they really just want to cast this wide net. So they want three years of medical files and files about all the Colombian adoptions. And they press her for like a little bit more information. She seems very happy, very willing, but she doesn't, she can't give out too much without, again, her supervisor being at work. But she is able to give them the names and addresses of people who had adopted through the agency. So not all the information, but enough. And so Gina and Trudy end up bringing Maria along to some of these houses to see if she would recognize her son. Now at the precinct, now we're back at OCB. They're going through the medical files and they, it turns out they have a lot of files that kind of fit the profile of Maria's son. Similar age, also from Colombia, and they're just pouring over to find this birthmark. The doctor does name this specific type of birthmark and something began with angio like similar to like angioplasty so maybe that is blood in latin i should know this i always thought it was like heart in latin or something i am and still like i still it wasn't covid that i had when i was sick but i experienced the brain fog that i never got when i actually got covid i'm experiencing now so i do apologize bear with me you know what the best way to enjoy this podcast, just kind of ignore my voice and just go to the gallery and look at all the photos because I think I started with 187 photos. <laughs> I didn't narrow them all down. Although the theme of this episode wasn't happy or gray and it was a little bit darker than I really wanted to explore this week, the color blue and the women are the real stars of this episode. So while Zeno and Switek and the rest of ICE have all this in front of them, Gina and Trudy are going to go check in with a couple 
who had adopted through this agency. But there is one thing in common that Zunus Switek noticed. The same lawyer has brokered all of these deals. While Zwitek's on the phone getting the name of the lawyer from, I believe, Metro, or I believe someone that works in archives, Gene and Trudy go to visit this couple. Turns out it is played by young Stanley Tucci. And I mean young, I mean 26. Unfortunately, his hair is thinning a little bit, but again, men just aged differently back in the day. But yes, this is babyface Stanley Tucci talking to Gina Trudy about his experience with this lawyer. Wait for it. Howard Famiglia. Yes. I don't know how anybody could see through that one <laughs> in this next clip. You hear about Howard Famiglia? All right. The man's a pig. You did adopt your son through Famiglia, didn't you? Yeah. And then when Davy died, he got us Andrea. Did he ever tell you where the boy was from? Look, I don't know where he gets his babies from. And I'll admit, at the time, I really didn't care. Miglia said for 50 grand, he could get us an infant in three months. 50,000? Yeah. 30 in cash on the side. I know all the records say 20, but believe me, I know what I paid. What happened next? Uh, I called him. I said, look, my wife's a wreck over this. Refund our money and I'll forget the whole thing. Go through an agency. He said, no. We had a deal. He'd make good on it. Six months later, we got Andrea. Ah, now, if you do not know the difference between a regular jury case and grand jury, let me break it down for you. Again, this is very basic but basically what i have gathered is that a jury a small jury that you'll know in regular civil and criminal cases will decide whether or not you are guilty or innocent they will meet they will convene they will be sequestered they will bring their verdict to the foreman the foreman will read it to the court grand jury is a little bit different they are not labeling the defendant as guilty or innocent, they are meeting in private to determine whether or not there's enough probable cause to charge this person called an indictment. So a little bit different. So per the U.S. courts, a grand jury is presented with evidence from the U.S. attorney, the prosecutor in federal criminal cases. The grand jury determines whether there is probable cause to believe the individual has committed a crime and should be put on trial. If the grand jury determines there is enough evidence, an indictment will be issued against the defendant. And the grand jury usually consists of 16 to 23 people. Grand jury proceedings are not open to the public. Defendants and their attorneys do not have the right to appear before the grand jury. So a little bit of an interesting difference there. So I just wanted to point that out, that this is what will lead to a trial. Um, but it is not something that you kind of hear every day. And you know that those charges are, might be a little bit more serious brought to a grand jury rather than just brought to a regular jury trial. Whew. So again, unfortunately, if we're being morose and macabre, we are at deceased baby number f- five. 
six. Oh, it's this is a really sad episode, but we get young Stanley Tucci in this. So I guess the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And then we also know that there's three-fifths paid in cash, so they're even profiting more so off this by kidnapping children by force, smuggling them to the States, and then selling them to people who are really looking to make a family for themselves and preying on them and their financial status. So now, back advice. They're talking to Castillo about the lawyer and what to do with Famiglia. Zito suggests putting a tap on Famiglia to be able to get a little bit more information. Lieutenant, she can't ID him. She says it might be him, but he always wears sunglasses and a hat. Excuse me, Trudy, we might have a very good match on that Angie moment. So Gina, Trudy, and Maria go to this house to follow the lead. We do see a young boy... Maybe around, I don't know how old the babies are. I'm so bad with this. I always way underestimate or way overestimate how old a child is. So let's say he's around two and a half years old. So 16 months since she's been separated from him. Hopefully flits the timeline. This child is five years old. (laughs) I once asked how old my friend's child was. And I was like, oh, 10 months. And my friend's like, she's two years old. I was like, oh, that's... Over 24 months. So, yeah, I have no perception when it comes to children and their age. We do see the birthmark that is very similar, and we see Maria call out to him in Spanish and call him by his original name. It doesn't register with him. And unfortunately, as Gina and Trudy are explaining to the mother when she comes out that an illegal adoption might have taken place. Naturally, the adoptive mother gets very protective, shoes them off the property, calls Howard, and she is pissed. She will not leave a message. She wants to speak to him directly. Please note, she's holding the phone two inches away from her face. I don't know if she didn't want to mess up her hair, but I watched the scene a couple times. You made a gif of it. I was like... How can you hear anything? Maybe it's on speakerphone, but speakerphone technology in 1986, nowhere near as good as it was now. Interesting. So with that, Crockett and Tubbs are now going to visit Howard, get a little bit more information, and maybe try to get his side of the story. Again, this guy sounds as sleazy as someone who would kidnap and smuggle babies to sell them to wealthy families would be. In this next clip. The point is, we got a plane load of Colombian babies, three of which didn't make the whole trip. A terrible thing. I read about that in the papers. Hard to believe. You think that's hard to believe? Will you read the part about how you're behind it? You better be prepared to back up those accusations. We'll leave that to the grand jury. Detectives. I'm an honored man in this town. Well loved. Everybody knows I adore children. To suggest my involvement in this endeavor is not only ludicrous, it's slanderous. Sue me. Oh, I rolled my eyes so hard at the slanderous comment. So I love that Crockett just replied, sue me. Yeah. 
What are you going to do? Now, let's go back to the adoption agency because baby houseman's sister with a very serious 1986 perm has walked into the adoption agency in what I will call a look. It is a purple windbreaker, purple top, belted purple silk pants, and again, this very 80s perm. So she is a whole look and never self. Now, I'm not sure where she was. Maybe she took a day off. Maybe she was at lunch. I'm assuming she took a day off because the other worker, the other employee, is in a completely different, sexy turtleneck dress. And the other actor, I was trying to pinpoint her, and I couldn't find out where I knew her from. Maybe it was from a commercial. Maybe it's something with her voice. But she looks so familiar. Now, she's not too thrilled to hear that her co-worker was cooperating with the cops while she was gone. You could tell she's getting a little bit nervous, and you could tell that she herself does not want to play with the cops. Reminder, at this time, Howard's phone has been tapped. So a call comes into Howard from this woman from the adoption agency. She wants to talk to Howard now, and she wants to meet at the beach. So naturally, she's already a little bit hesitant or a little bit aware of the risk of discussing any details of their working relationship over the phone. Now, this scene, again, the technology of the scene is hilarious. So again, Zito and Switek are trying to listen in this conversation. They have what looks like a satellite dish with a little microphone, but they can't really hear. And there are two songs credited in this scene, and I can't really make out either of them. I was trying to get clips to play for the podcast, but we do see... Howard and the adoption agency worker take a stroll while he's holding a tiny bouquet of flowers. They're both in full suits and everyone else is in bathing suits, which I find very funny. They must have been very toasty because this episode was filmed the end of July, beginning in August, which South of Florida is not a fun time, especially in a suit. So they must have been sweating their balls off and they must have been smelling horrific in these polyester suits. But let's actually discuss what they're talking about. Now, I think this woman thinks she's a better actress than she is in this next scene. The only way I have been able to deal with this thing is knowing that the kids are better off here than they are starving in Colombia. Spare me the waterworks, Angela. You knew from the onset what this was all about. You've been paid very well for your cooperation. Howard, we didn't know the kids were going to die. It is like any other business. There's a spoilage factor. You're sick. Just stay away from me. You just listen to me, baby. You are going to keep your mouth shut because you're tied to the mask with me on this one. They have nothing on me unless one of the parents is willing to come forward and testify. And I'm taking care of that. It's being handled. Yeah, and when he says that this is being handled, unfortunately, he is not kidding about that. We see a cute little baby rocking back and forth in its out swing outdoors, kind of like one of those old school plastic swings, while the mother is gardening. The mother hears either a phone call or someone at the door steps inside, so she'll be right back. As she leaves, a gentleman pops out from the bushes mullet, kind of curly mullet, kind of like worn out suit. And we see him get close to the baby and look at the baby. By the time the mother comes out, a note has been taped to the baby's chest that says, Mommy, 
please don't testify. And this is Stanley Tucci character's wife. And that's his new baby after his previous baby that he adopted through Howard Famiglia passed away. They don't explain any of the causes and was basically replaced by this guarantee baby. So naturally she's freaking out. And then when Gene and Trudy go visit and ask him why he hasn't returned any of the district attorney's calls, naturally he is definitely 100% changing his mind on testifying. And I do not blame him at all. This is the second child and he's not about to lose another child. Gene and Trudy try to lay it on thick, but he's not having it. Disregard. I thought I had a clip, but basically he is telling them that he's not testifying in a way that's not outright saying that he was threatened. He was saying he had changed his mind, that his memory is really bad. He doesn't want to put himself out on the line, but he's making it obvious enough to Gina and Trudy if that's what's going on. I don't really like how Judy's like, you know, as a witness to a crime, you have to testify. Because again, as we've seen with many episodes of Miami Vice, it sometimes costs your life to testify. And there are certain cases I've definitely testified before. I know I've always said that I'm historically not a snitch, but when it comes to certain things, I will snitch as long as I know that my safety is not compromised. So I 100% agree with him on this. And I don't think we should be pressuring people to testify. But unfortunately, it's very hard because people's hands are tied and law enforcement officers' hands are tied when people can't testify and criminals know this. So unfortunately, it's just a really bad cycle that when it's abused is really hard to break out of. Well, back at the precinct, the vice squad's saying that, you know, now they have one less witness who is not willing to testify in front of a grand jury. And Crockett hypothesizes that Famiglia didn't directly, but basically threaten the baby and Gina nods in agreement, both wearing different shades of blue and both looking like a million dollars, I must say. Well, back at the adoption agency... Crockett and Tubbs go to, I totally forgot her name already, Angela. There it is. Go talk to Angela about their history of Colombian adoptions and so forth. Remember, she's just talked to Howard in that beach scene where Zito and Switek weren't able to get perfect security on it, surveillance on it. I do apologize. Crockett and Tubbs, they're... They're smart and they know what Angela's up to in this next clip. I've been advised not to answer any questions until I see a lawyer. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I knew you were going to say that. What is that? A subpoena. You've been served. You've been scheduled to appear in front of the grand jury a week from Tuesday. And don't even think about not showing up. Now, rewinding a little bit, because I totally forgot to mention this. After Howard and Angela have their talk on the beach, Howard records a note to himself to have Angela's activities logged, basically for her to be followed in order to make sure that she doesn't snitch. So after she is served in her office at her place of work, we see our baby threatener. It is literally in my notes as guy who put a note on baby walk to payphone and make a call. Naturally, 100%, I'm believing that he's making the call to Howard. Now, speaking of Howard, what is Howard up to? Howard is very much enjoying the excess of the 80s in a purple suit and a gold textured pattern tie. Now, the purple suit 
is covering a silk, like electric blue, electric blue silk shirt while he's talking with the console that Crockett and Tubbs were talking to at this restaurant with glass blocks, with neon lights, with flower petals or like the bodies of a flower, the tops of the flower in a bowl of water with a shrimp cocktail, with a gravy boat, with a fake palm tree in the background. I cannot get over how much I love the decor of this restaurant. Now, Howard's getting a little bit more nervous hearing words like grand jury, having Angela being subpoenaed. He's getting a little bit nervous and he really wants to use the consul's diplomatic privileges at his behest. Surprise, surprise, it's not going to work out that way. I just need a small favor from you. What kind of favor? You're well aware that you have diplomatic immunity in these matters. Yes. A trip to Washington tomorrow. A speech on the embarrassing nature of this case for your government could secure a letter of rejection of prosecution for your partner. Moi. No, Howard. I'm out. If the consul were to find out about my involvement in this, I'd be finished. Hmm, now surprise, surprise, Howard is not going to take this well. He is menacingly dabbing a napkin on both sides of his mouth as the consul explains that he doesn't want to deal with this anymore, that he's going to have to basically buy an appointment in another country, and that he's going back to Bogota tomorrow. All very convenient. In the next scene, we see Howard cruising down the block in his car, tells the goon in the bed. And we don't know what that means. Then we see the goon, the baby threatener, the baby note guy, open the trunk of this car to find the console tied up with his mouth taped. Then we see Angela at her apartment. Great color scheme, by the way, because you have these dark blue curtains in the back with like a yellow towel that she's wearing. She's clearly just fresh out of the shower. And we hear that someone is ringing her bell, her doorbell or her intercom or whatever she has at the time. We don't see what happens next, but we've seen the gun and the console and the words in the bed. And we saw the goon start to attach the silencer to the gun. We saw Angela get out of the shower. The next scene, Crockett and Tubbs are called to the apartment building for what the detective on the scene thinks is a murder-suicide. Crockett puts that into question pretty quickly, but again, the evidence doesn't point to Howard Famiglier or any of his goons. Interesting. No, if you ask me, these two people just made your case. If I was you, I'd go home right now and have myself a beer. It's too neat. What? He says it's a homicide. What are you trying to tell me, that I can't read a crime scene? No. I'm just saying it's too convenient. Someone's trying to plug up the holes. I honestly don't blame the guy if someone was double questioning my work and had this new theory. I'm like, great, you tested it, not my problem. <laughs> so, surprise, surprise, they go back to OCB, explain to Castillo that this all seems a little bit too suspicious, especially with, there's another point that you can see on the gallery. I need to open this up on my desktop and not on my iPad because I can, I'm able to zoom in better on the laptop and see the actual text in the newspaper as opposed to on my iPad where 
It's all a little bit blurry. But basically, Crockett and Tubbs are talking to Castillo that they want to get another set of prints and redust. And right as they're talking about redusting, looking for the third party prints, they get a call. Crockett answers the call. They go back to the scene where luckily they were able to find prints off the door. Once Crockett's back at OCB, runs them through the system. They find out they belong to a gentleman named Hector Borges, who has three drug-related priors, who has a revoked and then reinstated green card within the past couple of years. Surprise, surprise, he is currently working at the firm where Famiglia is a partner. He is employed as his chauffeur. Now everything makes sense. And now they have a little bit more to go on. So... Vice minus Gina and Trudy. So just the boys, just Cito, just Switek, Crockett and Tubbs. Go to the address that's listed as Borges's address. There are people outside hanging out, kids playing around. They tell them to get lost. Crockett actually speaks a little bit of Spanish. Let me see if I have this clip, but he tells these kids to vete, which not really proper because that's like to one person but whatever let's give crockett props for actually learning spanish because as we've seen with this episode every other person on vice speaks spanish we don't know what's doing with tech but out of the main four or i guess five including castillo four out of five 80 percent, except for crockett so let's give him credit for at least learning one phrase as they go case with the apartment knock on the door try to see if he's home once Crockett and Tubbs get a little bit closer to the door, again, Zeno and Switek are on the back. It's unlocked. They push in the door. They keep searching and searching and searching. Tubbs opens up the closet. And Crockett, from his point of view, is able to see Borges hanged in the closet. He pans down a little bit further, sees explosive, screams that it's a setup. They both jump out the window. Now, I did make a gif of this, and this is not a funny gif. This is a sad gif. I do apologize. I try to keep things lighthearted here. The stuntman for Tubbs, for Phil and Michael Thomas, who plays Tubbs's brother, who was murdered by Calderon, in the pilot and seen throw flashbacks. He unfortunately had to retire from stunt acting because of this mishap. You can see the fire go up his legs as he's jumping out of the window. And unfortunately, he had to be hospitalized because of those burns. And I wasn't able to find too much information further about that, but I thought that was quite sad. So I just wanted to show you. So unfortunately, you know, but yeah, as we're giving credits to writers and their work, let's also not forget about the work that stuntmen do because I could never... Now, Crockett and Tubbs, pissed again. Crockett and Tubbs, once again, are pissed back at OCB, back at the precinct, because they don't have anything solid to pin on Famiglia, according to Castillo. Crockett proposes to use Maria and a TV reporter that Trudy knows as kind of a bait to have her talk about the story. And again, speaking of slander, Trudy doesn't have to name who it is, but it makes it obvious to know that Howard's involved and especially people getting close to him are dying. It's only going to make things worse. 
but we do know that a prominent local attorney is heavily involved in both the smuggling operation and three murders here in Miami. Ms. Escobar is an eyewitness to the attorney's involvement and will so testify to the grand jury. And so, this young mother, who braved death to try to get her baby back, is now under heavy police protection at St. Anne's, waiting to tell her story to a Dade County grand jury. Back to you, Ken. Thank you, Robin. A heart-wrenching story from St. Anne's tonight. Now, you can kind of hear that tonal shift, right? Like, am I crazy? You can kind of hear as the reporter's voice is kind of quiet in the background, as that kind of high-anxiety score rises a little bit in volume. You can tell that we're closing up on someone's face. And as you can see in the gallery, that face is a very pissed off Howard Famiglia in that same blue silk shirt. Now, once again, the news reporter gave out where she is. She's at St. Anne's Hospital, that she's under heavy police protection. But in a surprise to nobody, we see Howard waltzing through the hospital. But we also get treated to Zito as a doctor, Trudy as a nurse. Switek's just kind of doing a little bit of hanging around. He's not in uniform. He's not dressed up as anything. And then we just see a regular Metro cop outside of the room. We do see Howard walking through the hospital. Zito spots him, goes to the elevator, takes it up with him, lets him know that he's going to floor four, where they're keeping Maria Escobar. Howard sees the vice cops in costume. He sees the Metro officer. So even if he wasn't able to determine that the nurse and the doctor he's looking at are cops, he sees the cops sitting outside the room. Now, Zwaita kind of makes up some excuse like, oh, wrong floor, blah, blah, blah. They go up one more floor to five. Howard walks out again. One of the admins knows him, is happy to see him. We see him walk into a seminar for unwed mothers titled Adoption, a loving alternative. Tonight's speaker, Howard Famiglia. Zwaita kind of pops his head in to see what's going on. This is a little bit strange, right? And he asked the admin woman that was previously kind of very excited to see Howard how long these things normally last, 45 minutes. So he lets Crockett and the rest of Ice Team know that he'll keep an eye out when he comes out. Howard takes out a very old school reel of film, puts it on, starts playing it. Listen to how this sounds in this next clip. The procreation of a species, the creation of life of another human being. To make it worse, again, that's why Tech is kind of poking his head in, trying to get some more information. A nun gives him some very unfiltered, not advice, but a suggestion in this next clip. Can I help you, young man? Uh, no, I guess I'm in the wrong place. Uh, the eating disorder lecture is on three. This is the unwed mother's seminar. And now, before I continue talking about the plot, I'm very curious as to Howard's role in this. So he is trying to possibly continue to run this adoption center with locally born babies as well as the children smuggled in from Colombia. Maybe he's trying to just 
take out that variable. Maybe he's just trying to change the mind of women to give up their babies to adopt for adoption more easily and sell over the rights. Yeah, so it's very sticky. Obviously, this is a very, like, icky situation that we're in, but it's going to get ickier. So, again, Zwitek is waiting outside, waiting for Howard to come out to finish his seminar for the unwed mothers. But Howard, we see him sneak behind some more blue curtains. Again, blue is, like, the theme of this episode. I know it's baby blues, but... Everyone's just looking fabulous in these different shades of blue. As he sneaks back, he goes into a utility room. He finds a massive vent. Again, I'm also thinking of that episode of The Simpsons where Groundskeeper Willie goes to the vent to get the dog. And it's like alien where the dog... Yeah, this is exactly what I'm thinking of. I'm like, I never thought that air ducts were that wide where you could be able to basically wriggle through them. And that would be my absolute nightmare. I would never... tubes, things like that. Absolutely not. Caves. Nope. Not doing it. But this one looks very roomy and comfortable. This one I could actually kind of sneak into because I'm very loud and I'm very clumsy. So I would not be stealth at this at all. So we see Howard go through the vents and unfortunately we can kind of assume what he's planning on doing. He knows that there is a cop or there's someone outside waiting for him outside of the seminar. We also know that Howard knows there is a uniformed Metro officer sitting outside of Maria's room. As Howard is going through the vents, we see him get to the room where we see a woman with black hair sleeping peacefully in the bed. Lights are off. As he gets his gun, cocks his gun, lifts the vent, we see the head stir back and forth. Then just as he's getting close, the head snaps around. It is Gina, looking like a million bucks, by the way. Tubbs and Crockett coming in, screaming, freeze, Miami Vice. Keep shooting. They shoot him. And there is a great picture of him dead hanging out of the vent. And I wish I'd seen this actor in more things. I looked up his name. His real name is... um. His name is Tommy Koenig, and he just seems really wild and funny. And, like, I know this isn't supposed to be a funny scene, but, like, I was very much crackling just looking at the dead body hanging out at the vent. (laughs) All right, and so as we're wrapping up this episode, where do we think this is going to go? So Howard is dead, and his entire business of adoption was obviously based and built upon illegal methods and kidnapping these children from their mothers and using diplomatic immunity and using the connections he had at the adoption agency to fudge, to hide, and to basically take advantage of people dealing with infertility issues. So this last scene is actually much sadder than I expected. We see Maria dressed up in a very pretty dress, along with Gina, with Trudy, with Crockett and Tubbs, stopped by the house where she had previously seen her son and called out to her son in Spanish and the son didn't recognize her, the son didn't respond. The adoptive parents are standing there with a little boy who's dressed in a little blue suit and he's upset. They have a box of his stuff and the mother is recounting to Maria all the things in the box that he likes and they have the housekeeper able to translate for her. And... It's a really emotional scene. These are Alex's. In the night, 
And there's just more communication of the adoptive mom telling him about what they talked about with his new mom. And she's explained to Maria how much she loves the shoes. It's a very, very, very emotional scene. And the song Love by You by Joanne Arma Tretting is really haunting. Like when you actually hear it in that context of someone who has raised this child as their own, now being forced to give this child up and Maria is watching her interact with her son and becomes really moved and see how much she cares for the son and the son doesn't understand what's going on and the son is crying at the prospect of going off to be with his biological mother. She tells them that she is his mother now. And she says, Good. Ella is tu madre ahora. Alex is ours. And it's a really sad ending to the scene. We have, like I said, Tubbs is there, Trudy's there, Gina's there, all in kind of different shades of black. Crockett's in like a lighter shade of gray. I want to say maybe also Tubbs is in kind of like a darker shade of gray as well, like a slate gray. And Maria, who again is in this very colorful dress, who brought this toy for her son, ends up giving the toy to the son and the adoptive mother and then runs back to the Border Patrol van crying as they pack up and go. And that is the end of the episode. Yeah, it's it's a little emotional, but uh, let's have some fun. Let's talk some fashion. I think this is a first. I have no best dressed men because I had so many best dressed women to choose from. And naturally, our winner, who is the cover princess of my imager page, is going to be Trudy in the blue crop top and blue skirt as she's going on TV with the big gold hoop earrings. Other best dressed woman. Second best dressed woman is going to be our girl Gina, again, in a different shade, more of a teal blue. With that sheer shirt talking to Stanley Tucci. Our third best dressed is our ever so helpful adoption agency employee in that green turtleneck with the triangle earrings and with the short curly hair. Now, also talking about earrings, best accessory, naturally I'm going to go with Trudy in the scene after the cold open where she has the big triangle bedazzled earrings. Ladies and the color blue killing it this episode, but it wouldn't be complete without a wild card. Surprise, surprise. The gentleman hiding in the bushes, threatening babies with pieces of paper, is our wild card. He is wearing a striped, very unstructured blazer, curly mullet, unbuttoned black silk shirt, high-waisted navy pants with a belt. How could that not be your wild card? Now for music. Like I said, the two songs Move and Groove by Reds and the Boys and Stop and Think by Michelle Goulet. I had no idea where they were in the episode. Then I made a boo-boo. I have a clip of Hanging by a Thread by Mike and the Mechanics right now. That was playing before the bomb scene went off at the apartment where we saw Hector hanged in the closet. But this was a song playing in the background by Mike and the Mechanics. Hector Borges. 
gorgeous. Now it was hard because the songs thematically, the Love by You by Joan, Armatrading, Armatrading, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it properly. The lyrics were so haunting in how they were basically kind of showcasing this conflict of loving someone that is yours, but that you know that the relationship is so much stronger with another person and it's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done. I can't even imagine having a child kidnapped from me, raised by someone else, and then trying to take that child back and the child hasn't grown up with you, doesn't remember you, doesn't speak the same language you do. It's a completely different personality than what was taken from you. So I can't imagine that. I know I'm so sorry this episode is ending on such a depressing note, but let's hope that there's a little bit more fun stuff, a little bit more fluff in season three. I will say I want do want to thank The Color Blue for this episode for giving us such great styles for an episode that also includes the name Blue in the title, but in a much different way. Thank you for listening, for subscribing, for liking, for sharing, for commenting, for checking me out on YouTube, for leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, for everything you do. Thank you for following me. Thank you for all the lovely emails, messages. I do reach each and every single one. Thank you so much for listening to Vice and Easy, and I will see you next week. Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.